Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey everybody, I am excited to share with you one of my favorite people. She is one of my dearest friends and a longtime friend. We met many years ago. We were both adopting our sons from Rwanda. And the irony is at the same time that I'm launching and dreaming and starting If Gathering, she is launching and dreaming and building something called Noonday Collection. And I think that the timing of both things coming into our lives was a catalyst to a really deep, needed, nearly desperate friendship. And we have gone to the deepest places. And she is someone I respect and constantly am learning from. So I am so excited for you guys to get to learn from her today. So Jessica Honiger, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thanks, Jenny. We tried to pull this off in Africa last week. I don't know what we were thinking. We're we're eternal optimists. We're like, let's just do this in Africa. In the meantime, our days are like six in the morning to 12 at night. Yeah, there was no way. Or it would have been a very depressing, tired (laughs) interview. Low energy. Low energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we did. We just got back from Rwanda. And I mean, what an experience that was. We got to take our boys back to their country where they were adopted from. And it was really special, wasn't it? It was. It was so special. And probably some of my favorite parts of the trip were just sitting up in the front of the van on these long rides and just getting really good time in with you. Yeah. It was awesome. Okay, so let's talk about friendship a little bit because we have talked about um, shame. You know Kurt Thompson. We've talked about shame, and that was very convicting. We have talked about what it looks like to to pursue friendships, to be really intentional, which is something you're great at. But what I want to talk about today is just honestly how raw and real, and I would say determined to make each other better, our friendship is. I think that's one of my favorite things about you when I call you is it's also one of the hardest things is I know we're going to go there. Like we're you're not going to let me escape. In fact, I don't know if anybody has more punchy one-liners directly <laughs> into my life than you do uh, <laughs> all the time, almost every time we talk. And so, yeah, I want to talk about what it looks like to have that kind of friendship where you really do go to the hard places, you talk about the hard things, and you say the things that other people are afraid to say. Because mm. that that really is, I think, what has marked our friendship is you constantly calling me out. And same for me. I mean, when you call me and say, okay, here's the, here's the struggle I'm facing. So yeah, I mean, that's a huge value to you. Yeah, it is. And I think it really goes back to some of the things that Kurt talked about. So I hope everyone goes and listens to that episode. But it's this idea that I'm not leaving. You know, like we're we're in this together forever. And so shame wants us to stay in hiding. It wants to keep us from saying the thing that we see. It keeps us from wanting to own our truth. And I think that's what it comes down to is you and I can both still be hesitant, I think, to say it all out loud, you know, and just to get the full truth out there. So I think some of our tension, our good tension is making sure that we are calling each other forth, like out of the darkness and into the light. And we're willing to press each other until that we say that thing out loud. And I think we create a space for each other to do that 
because we're not going to leave one another. Like there's nothing that you could say ever in your life. I mean, you could call me from jail and I'm like, <laughs> I love you, you know? Always possible. <laughs> uh, you know, and and I think that ultimately yeah. is the love that we say for our families. I mean, families were kind of stuck together. And so those tend to be places where we can be really safe. But man, God calls us to exercise that kind of love in the body of Christ, which is our friendships and that we belong to one another. And I think that's the safety there, you know, and also, of course, that we are in leadership positions. We have similar personalities. We're built in similar ways. We have couple of kids the same age. So there is sort of the all of the things that we do have in common. But I think it's our shared value of wanting each other to fully live in the light because we know that that's where the freedom is. That's where the good stuff is. I think all of us have the tendency to hide a little bit. So it's just important to be able to have those friends that it's like you can call and say the thing, but they're going to dig a little bit more and be like, is that really the thing? You know, dig. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's do that. Let's tell a couple stories about what that's looked like for us. Cause I think people need examples. They need to not just hear what they're supposed to do, but what does that look like? And so, yeah, I can think of a couple for me where I called you and you just let me have it. So (laughs) it wasn't mean, (laughs) it was loving. And, and what you do, this is, this is a common example of why are you, why are you posturing Jenny? Why aren't you just saying it? Why aren't you just coming out with it? Like, what is it that's bugging you? You don't seem like yourself or you'll just, you won't let me stay in the gray of mediocre or hiding. And I don't, I think, you you know, we've we've analyzed this to death, but you and I together. But I don't mean to hide. I talked to Kurt about this too. I don't mean to hide. Like I try to be vulnerable. I think I just I don't want to think about it. So it's not like I'm sitting there heavily thinking about something and not telling you. It's that I just try not to think about it. <laughs> so when well, I you talking have to this you, ability to box things into tidy little boxes. And I'm we've talked about that, that you felt like a dude a lot in in that regard. And I think for me, I just, I, I want to feel close to you. I want you to feel known and loved. And so for me, it's that balance of, of going, is there a box that's still tucked away? Like, let's pull that off the shelf. And yeah, it's never, it's not intentional ever. But I think, you know, when you have this history and a friendship where you've given each other permission to say, hey, I see a box up on that shelf. Can we pull that down and open it together. And that's really what love is. And you just did that for me on the bus, on the long, (laughs) the van ride that was supposed to be like (laughs) two and a half hour trip. It was like five and a half hour trip. And I said something out loud to you that I hadn't said. And it was about my book where I was looking back and I've just still been kind of like my soul has been still reeling from having launched my first book a few months ago. And I was telling myself a story that it was just that it was a failure and that I was never gonna be able to write a book again. And see, look at me now saying that out loud. Mm. But at the time in the van, that was the scariest thing for me to say. And I said it, and I have to say that that story lost its power over me within, honestly, within minutes of me saying it and having had a soft place to land. 
and having you kind of say that's, you know, that's a lie. And, you know, you pep talk me, but then also, you know, you ask the hard questions too in those moments. And so that's the freedom that comes. And it's all the stuff that Kurt talks about. And it's like putting it into practice. It truly is this dance of being able to be fully vulnerable and then having someone else be able to create a space of empathy, a shame-free zone, that is what ushers in freedom. And that's the beauty of what God calls us to. I mean, this is the this is the marrow of life. And and so I'm I'm glad we get to do that for each other. Well, and I think it's interesting what you just said, the word safe space and a soft place to land, because we're also talking about the intensity of our friendship that we fight for each other and we ask the hard things but yet it does still feel safe. So what do you think it is that creates a safe space in a friendship? Because I think everyone probably heard you say that and and craved it and wanted it, but but it's hard to find. It is and it it's, you know, it's not a matter of finding it. It truly is a matter of doing the work to build it. And we have put the work in and you know, you can only have that kind of friendship when you're willing to share the thing that you don't want to say out loud. And sometimes you have to go first. You know, sometimes you have to be the one to go first and to say the thing. And then that immediately creates a space for the other person to say the thing. And then also like, you know, I am a little more, it's weird for me to about to say this. I'm about to say I'm more intense than you. <laughs> that's that's saying something just I know. Friends. We're both so intense. We're so intense. <laughs> but I tend to be, I don't know, like you go there. You go, go there. there. I go there. And I what hesitate I love to go there still some. For myself, I'll go there with the whole wide world. I'll make everybody else. I mean, I'm queen of question asking and deep thinking for other people. I just it's hard for me. Well, and I think I know this, and you write about this and you talk about this, that you know, you will kind of I like vulnerability in the present moment. I don't like it when a friend comes to me and was right. like, man, I was really struggling with this over the last few <laughs> months. And I'm like, really? Because I was like having lunch with you once a week during that season. Which, you know? This isn't a hypothetical. This is me and That's you. Real. <laughs> That's real. And because I know that you have that tendency, I think that's why I'm like, no, I want in this moment, in this present moment, which is, you know, all that we're promised is this this moment that we have right now. I want to live that moment out in a vulnerable and authentic way. You know, if I know someone's holding out on me, even if it's not intentional, it makes me want to hold out, you know, yeah. and it makes me do this dance of, oh, does she trust me? Does she not really want to be vulnerable? Like, you know, what's going on in this moment? And then that make, makes me hold back. So when I sense someone holding back, I do. I hopefully in a tender way. I mean, golly, I've I've definitely not always. I don't like it when you're tender. That's awkward. You are you are bold and you say it, and I love it like that. And sometimes you're like, I can't believe I just said that. And I'm like, I love that you just said it. It's one of the reasons I love our friendship is because there's never this wondering. There's never this. Gosh, is she mad? Is she hurt? I mean, you just tell me. I've never like when I moved away from from Austin. It was like. You were you were mad. You were mad at me. <laughs> like I had done it to you. I was but, really sad about that. I mean, that was just a really I think because 
I don't have, I have so many, I mean, I do have, you know, friendships are a huge value of mine, huge, huge, huge. But my friendships with also people in leadership are definitely fewer. And hello, we're both sevens on the Enneagram. And so I just love being able to be spontaneous with you and being able to be like, hey, well, let's take our kids to Africa or hey, meet me. Meet me this weekend. I mean, you're the person that I can just do that to. And I don't have too many people in my life like that. And so that's really fun too. And yeah. honestly, I think what too feels, I feel so honored because I don't have any sisters. I have one older brother and you have two sisters that you are close, close, close to. And I don't know. I feel like you've let me in to be a part of your, your little sisterhood. And that's been such a huge honor for me because I, my mom had three sisters growing up and to this day they talk on the daily and they're just so close. And so I think my mom just modeled sisterhood to me and friendship to me. And even Mm -hmm. my mom and my dad both kind of have their separate groups of friends. I mean, my mom has like, she's named them. Like there's the to the grave group and they're the ones that tell each other secrets and then there's like the coast group and then there's the hunting group and there's all these different (laughs) so I just kind of grew up seeing that but to be honest with you I didn't really have friendship until my 30s like in a way that I'm experiencing it now Mm -hmm. um I mean not to you know, if anyone's listening to me that's friends with me in my 20s but like I even look at my bridesmaids now Jenny like, I don't know. I don't know if any of them would be currently already get married again tomorrow. I don't think those they, they would be my bridesmaids. You know what I mean? It's just so it's just interesting to me how my 30s has really brought me the magic of of sisterhood. And I'm just so grateful that you let me be in your little sisterhood. Well, and I think this is something you're naturally really good at, too. And I want to talk about that for a minute. So let's define what, because I've, I've often called myself and I notice people like this sister friends, like I am a sister friend. That's how I work, which means when we're friends, like if I come over to your house, like I don't want it to be clean. I'm going to help you clean it. Like I, sisters just kind of jump in together. They don't necessarily need entertainment. They just need to be alongside. And I think that that's something that we've done well together is we're just kind of alongside, alongside in adoption, alongside in leadership, alongside in going on an adventure together. Like we just kind of jump in alongside of each other. And and so let's talk, you've built a huge sisterhood with Noonday and that is absolutely the culture at Noonday. It's been fun to get to visit almost every year, the conference of, you know, of leaders that you've assembled and all these women that are ambassadors for the organization, my sister being one of them and another dear friend of mine, Laura Choi. So I've had these pretty deep glances into your um, culture of what you've built and it is a sisterhood culture. So let's talk about what defines that. Like what are some of the mm-hmm. qualities of of relationships that really build more of a commitment to each other like sisters than mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. casual friends? Because I think a lot of people are decent at casual friendships. A lot less people are good at sisterhood friendships. And yet we're all craving that. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's that idea of imperfection. I loved it when you guys were literally your moving trucks were in your driveway and it was Cooper's birthday. And you just said to a few of us, like, come over, let's celebrate Cooper's birthday. You had no furniture in the house. I think there were like no cupcakes left at the grocery store except for pink ones. Like it was just like that. It was rough. This is how we're doing it. This is how it goes. 
And I think that there's just got to be that place where you're willing to not put up the masks that we all tend to put up. And how can we create a space for one another to be brave? And I think in order to be brave, some of the bravest things you can do is feel your feelings And I think that's what happens in our conversations is we're calling each other out. You know, I think of Adam and Eve and that hiding that happened, you know, when they sinned and they went and hid. And I think that so much of us are in hiding and we have facets of ourselves that go into hiding. And I just want to be like God came looking for them saying, you know, where are you? Come here. I want to be with you, even in your sin, even in your shame. You know, that is the kind of friend I want to be. I want to reflect God's image, like that very character that he reflected, you know, being so sad in the garden, you know, because he had created friendships. God is so about community and he created these people to walk with him. And we went and hid in sin and shame, but he comes looking for us even in our sin and in our shame. And that's what friendship is. It's coming to one another, not in the places where, you know, tra-la-la, you you launched the book and it did awesome, or, you know, your kid just one state. Like there's all the good things that we want to celebrate, but we want to also come looking for one another, literally to come looking for one another. I think that is the power of pursuit. We all want to be pursued. So what if we became those people that were pursuers of one another's hearts? And that's what God does for us. And that's what God calls us to do in our friendships. And we can do that when there's vulnerability, there's there's empathy, there's authenticity. I mean, all these, they're kind of these coin words, but when you actually break them down and practice them in your friendships, that's where healing comes. That's where freedom comes. And, you know, certainly in our Noonday community, we practice these things. And, you know, we're a group of saleswomen. I mean, we're getting out there. We're asking people to join us. Open your home buy this product, join my team, you know, all of, you know, asking for things is really vulnerable. And on that note, I think that is something else that is essential in a friendship and in our friendship, um, being able to ask when we're in a place of need, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think we often want to just be self-reliant, self-sufficient and, you know, show up for one another when we're strong. But when we can say like, I need you. I'm not doing okay. And then really being able to say, can you do this for me? You know, it's powerful. I I feel I felt like that on our trip in Rwanda because we brought our two boys and I had yeah. been feeling so much anxiety about that because yeah. there was Jack and Cooper and then all of these women and I needed some co-parents on that trip. And people totally showed up for that us yeah. in that way and that felt really powerful to me. Yeah, they were all called aunties, Latasha, Morrison, and Vivian, and all these incredible women that that really did just take our our sons under their wings and love them. And I mean, Cooper was calling you Auntie Jesse. I was like, where is that? Yes! <laughs> Auntie Jesse, I love Auntie Jesse, um, with an African accent, even though uh, he doesn't have one anymore. He like States. grew one. It he like, all came back. He did. He did. Oh my Auntie god, Jesse. Hey guys, Chloe here. I hope you're enjoying this interview with Jess and Jenny. I just wanted to stop in and remind you that there is a free download for you on Jenny's website called The Friend Guide. I know a lot of you guys have downloaded it already, but if you have not yet, go to JennyAllen.com, 
drop your email in and the PDF will land in your inbox. It's a super helpful set of worksheets with scripture prompts, things to pray through, and different things for you to process who your people are and the people that need you. So head over to Jenny's website and download that. Now, back to Jenny and Jess. I think that that fear of whatever it is of letting people into our imperfection, because for us, I mean, we can't control our boys who have been adopted and are going back to their country. This is a huge moment for them. We don't know how they're going to behave. We don't know what it's going to be like with jet lag and everything else. And, And it did feel super vulnerable to be on that trip with everybody. And, and they weren't perfect. You know, I'd love to say like, oh yeah, they were awesome. But it's like, no, there's a lot of um, moments specifically for Cooper that I was having to parent pretty hard and, and work through things with him. But I think even that was what caused people to bond with them was them seeing their struggle and moving into it. I think that was part of the the meaningful part of the trip. Well, and And what's more vulnerable too, I mean, we can just admit it that these are two of our more challenging children out of all the children. So that, that was vulnerable. And I think showing your parenting, you know, there's nothing more vulnerable than just being like, yeah, this is, this is it. You know, this is me and my parenting in a foreign country for a few days. I mean, you can't hide in that situation, you know? (laughs) And well, yeah. And, and I think this is how we were actually meant to live. Like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, that parenting in front of each other made me better. And there used to be front porches. There used to be communal living. Like we don't do that anymore. Everyone has isolated themselves in their square footage. Mm-hmm. And and we aren't co-laboring and co-parenting. But the, the saying is that it takes a village and it's true. And I saw that on that trip of just the invasive, sometimes almost offensive, where somebody was like, you need to do this. And I'm thinking, oh, that that's hurtful and that's not right. But they were right. Like in that moment, I needed to listen. And, yeah. and it's just, I, I think that, we miss the almost the abrasive parts of relationships, but in missing the abrasive parts, we're also missing the best parts. Totally, totally. And maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, our, I don't know what it is that keeps us. I, I do think for me, and you know this because I've shared this in my book, but I believe this lie that I'm all alone in the world and no one will come to my rescue. And so it's taken a lot of work for me to believe that I'm not going to be left. I'm not going to be abandoned. And, you know, maybe that's where some of the the reaction came from when you were moving to Dallas. Cause it was like, no, I finally, like, I let you in. Like we became, you became one of my sister friends and now you're leaving. And so I think there was some of that. And I think for me to be able to trust and to surrender as well, because I think that it's easy to hold on to people when you're coming at it from this lie. It's it's like you can start grasping at people um, if you kind of have this feeling that they're going to leave, you know. So I think there's this place of being able to surrender and trust in my friendships has definitely been a newer journey for me over the last couple of years. And maybe part of me even learning that was surrendering your journey to move and trust that we were still going to come out the other side of that. How are we now? (laughs) Well, we just (laughs) went to Africa together. I think we're good. (laughs) I just knew we'd see each other. Like I just, of course, I'm the ever optimist. I'm like, oh, just don't be sad. We'll see each other even more. It'll be more intentional. Look at us. (laughs) It's been a week together. I do need Um, to come up to Dallas and meet your people and stay at your house and all that kind of stuff. Yes. 
Well, I just, I know that people are listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, I would give my right arm for a friendship like this. I would give my right arm for somebody that was a safe, soft place and that called me out and that fought for me. So what does it look like for someone to build and create that in their own life? What do you, what are some real practical steps that they can take to create that in their own life? Because this didn't just come out of thin air. That's what we want you guys to hear is this is a very special friendship. Yes, but it did not come out of thin air. We have put the work in. We have prioritized each other. We have been intentional. We have picked up the phone and called each other and asked the hard questions. That happens regularly. I'm thinking about three weeks ago, I'm sitting in front of my house and you and I are catching up and you're asking me the invasive questions. And I remember just exactly what you said. Like I had to decide how I felt because I hadn't even thought about it in months or weeks. And so, you know, that is it's hard. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that those conversations feel great and happy all the time. In fact, a lot of them feel difficult. But what are some really specific steps that people can take to, Mm -hmm. to begin to create this? First of all, you've got to be willing to be the pursuer. I think I used to tell myself this story, like a victim story, like, oh, I'm always the one to pursue. And I made myself feel an outsider because of that. And really now I'm like, that's a gift. Like I like to pursue people. God likes to pursue people. Cool. I'm kind of like God in that way. And, you know, I think that you can tell yourself, like you can look to confirm the story that you'll never have a friendship like this and that you've tried this and it never worked. Or you could look to confirm the story that God has a friend for you and that maybe tag your it, like you get to be the one to pursue and cultivate and build that. And you've got to be willing to go first, willing to exercise vulnerability. And then also just, you know, learn to be a listener. I think that people are longing to be heard and seen and known. And there's some practical ways that you can, you know, practice listening to other people where they share and then you reflect back to them. What I hear you saying is this, is that right? Is that how you feel? You know, I think that's another really practical thing and just spending time, you know, doing, calling the person up and be willing and doing the fun things too, like the random, like, Hey, let's go shopping together. And then, you know, I think I called you a few weeks ago when I was crying alone in my car And it was a moment where I thought I could cry alone or I could call a friend and like have someone witness this, bear bear witness with me in this. And so I called and it felt good because I'm, you know, I'm not a huge crier. I mean, we're both sevens. We both are kind of living our heads and stuff. But so I think it's important too to just be willing to show show all the uh, the range of emotions that we can feel in friendships, too. Well, I wanted to just tell you, Jess, how much you mean to me. You are an absolute surprise gift. You walked into my kitchen. That was the first time we met. And I never would have dreamt the gift that you would become in my life. And I look out like at the landscape of everything God's done in the last few years. And like, you're one of the best parts. And, Mm. and I also know that I probably wouldn't have made it through the last few years of if gathering and everything else that he's called me to without a few co-laborers that have held my arms up when I didn't think I could. And you have done that again and again. And I just, I treasure you. And I thank you for letting me into your heart that you let me into your life and you don't hold back. It's probably one of my favorite things about you that you call me crying. And it feels like an honor. It feels like a privilege to walk through 
the hard parts of life with you. So I love you, friend. I love you. Wasn't that fun? Jess is an author, podcaster, and an entrepreneur that you definitely want to know. She wrote a book called Imperfect Courage that I personally love. She tells this story in the book about standing in line at Starbucks one day when the most put-together mom at school walks in. And the story Jess begins to weave in her mind about her insecurities and how she's a bad mom just really are relatable. And then there's this plot twist. I love this book, and I know you will too. Jess also founded an amazing, socially conscious fashion brand called Noonday Collection that has the cutest jewelry and accessories made by artisans around the world. We'll put all the links in the show notes for you to check it out. You can learn more at noondaycollection.com. We're so grateful that you join us today. 